Christmas from the shepherd's perspective. With the dawn of a new year, we have, or we see, I should say, dozens of shows listing the the top uh, events of people of the last year. This is even more so at the end of a decade, and if you remember back at the at the uh, at the end of the the millennium, uh, th- there was just uh, oodles and gobs. And uh, and to be honest, uh, it's kind of amazing to see how much has happened in a relatively short period of time. But this morning, I want to draw your attention to the greatest event in all of our history, and that is God. Becoming man to dwell among us. In an event that changed the world, that altered history, and is still changing hearts and lives today. Present at such a world-changing event, you would expect to see, of course, kings and princes and dignitaries, but... That is not the scene that, 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 uh, that you see. We see poor parents caring for their new baby in a barn. And what, and what are the first names on the guest book? Well, it was the names of ordinary shepherds who had come straight from work to see the baby that they had heard about from a group of angels. Nobody paid much attention to these guys who no doubt smelled like sheep. They didn't have uh, refined social skills. They couldn't uh, bring expensive gifts. They were regular guys like me and, uh, and maybe you. They were bit players, if you might want to call them that, in, uh, in the greatest drama of history. They served as an important reminder that the story of Christmas is not for the world's elite. Jesus was born for everyday people like you and me. Oh, no doubt we have lots of questions about the shepherds. How many were there? If you, from a lot of the crashes that you see around, there's only two. <laughs> you know, maybe one. But anyway... Uh, we don't know how many there were. Did they all go to Bethlehem or did some of them stay with the sheep? How many stables did they have to check before they found the one that Jesus was in? Uh, when, uh, when they left Bethlehem, what happened? What happened to the shepherds? Lots of questions. Most likely, these shepherds were, were tending their sheep just outside of Bethlehem and and these were probably, it is speculated, that, that they were probably sh- uh, sheep being prepared for temple sacrifices. Their job, of course, was to guard these sheep from human and animal predators. It was not uncommon for a shepherd uh, to have to pay for a lost sheep out of his own salary. Well, the shepherds, the shepherds uh, would have you know, taken turns on uh, on watch during the night, probably. 
You know, just like the old cowboys out west that we see in the movies, right? And uh, but it was sometime during the evening that the angels appeared. And the first perspective that we need to see is in uh, verses 8 through 14. So let's look at the scriptures. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the town of David a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find the baby wrapped in clothes, lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angels, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests. Now we don't know what time of night this happened. Were some of the shepherds already asleep or, uh, or were they sitting around the campfire telling stories and singing kumbaya? We don't know. We have no record of the shepherds saying anything to the angels. All we know is that they were terrified or scared. And I think I would be too and probably you. But can you picture their big eyes their mouths open and not sure of whether to run or to fall on their face in worship. They, were, they weren't taking notes. They didn't have to, I would imagine, because they weren't ever going to forget this particular experience. In fact, they probably were afraid they were going to die. That's probably what terrified means. They were, they were well aware of the fact that they were sinful And I would imagine that they thought that they were facing their day of reckoning. Many people kind of smirk at this story because they believe God doesn't speak anymore. At least, you know, but they are wrong, folks. The problem for many is that they are looking for bright lights and angel messengers while Jesus is speaking in their hearts. Jesus, or God, does speak to us through the living word of the Bible. It's a love letter written to us that we can read again and again. God speaks to us through the experiences of life. And sometimes we learn the most about God from the things that happen to us. And I'll tell you, we learned a lot about God last Friday night when we had a breakdown in the bus. On the senior trip. And in retrospect, it was a miracle that none of us were hurt, were all safe, and, uh, and were able to be here today. Often the circumstances of our lives were designed to wake us up or to take us deeper. God speaks through His Spirit. We might use the the teachings of, of a speaker or a writer or a singer, or maybe, maybe he may whisper gently into our minds in an un, unmistakable and biblically consistent voice. 
And you know, we, we don't hear because we are preoccupied and, and distracted. We are so busy from, with life that we spend most of our time on the run. We have obligations. We have commitments. We'd like to rest, but oftentimes we, we, we find ourselves not able to. The story is told of a, of a young child who was, live, who was having trouble keeping up in school. Oh, he worked really hard to keep up with the others in his classroom, but because of his unique challenges, he kept falling behind. And, and as a result, his backpack was crammed full of homework every night. And, uh, and there was no let up. He, he no longer could play outside with his friends after school. And by the time he had made a swipe at all of his schoolwork, it was time for bed. The parents consulted with the elementary school counselor and uh, decided that their son needed to be placed in a class of slower, uh, slower learners. It quickly became apparent that that uh, that was the right decision. And uh, the, the third grader got his childhood back, complete with uh, after-school play, a more positive outlook, and grades that matched the front end of the alphabet. After several weeks of asking his dad if he could play together after dinner, this boy grew weary of the same response, I'm sorry, buddy. I have a briefcase full of work I have to do. And one day, the boy simply said to his father, Dad, can't they just put you in a slower class too? (laughs) Folks, if we're going to keep from missing Christmas, we're going to have to get into a slower class. Someone has tragically observed that our generation worships our work, works at our play, and plays at our worship. Is it any wonder then that our lives are often spiritually empty? Now, I want to be realistic. A good many of our commitments are indeed important. Much of what we do is indeed necessary. Making time for listening to God sounds good, but it's a lot easier, of course, said than done, isn't it? So, how do we find time to hear? As we see from the shepherd's perspective, they heard. The answer is to intentionally build margins into our lives. If we plan to find time to hear from God, we need to do that. Maybe it means to get up earlier to read and pray. Maybe it means to skip the newspaper or the evening news and read the Bible instead. Maybe it means to block out Sunday mornings on your calendar and treat it like, uh, like other important, extremely important uh, appointments. Maybe it means to check your email one or two less times during the day or to go on Facebook. Maybe it means to turn off the TV. Ouch. And read one of the great books on, on the life of Christ. Such as, you know, The Jesus I Never Knew by Philip Yancey. Or maybe 
God came near, or no wonder they call him the Savior by Max Lucado, or other good, good books. You don't have to turn off every program, but turn away from the ones you only are watching because there's nothing else to do, or there's nothing else on, I should say. Always something to do, isn't it? And at the end of the day, have some fun sharing with the rest of the family, where did I see God today? Or what God was teaching me today? For you know, we, we find time for recreation, for shopping, for other things we want to do. We must be intentional about making time for God. Because God speaks, but we have to stop long enough to hear him. But it's also important that you see that the shepherds not only listened to God, but they took action. Appropriate action. And that's our second perspective. Dr. Clovis Chapel imagines one of the shepherds who had been a youth on the first Christmas and has now become old. His grandson sits uh, on his knees, his knee, and as, a, as he recalls, a long, long time ago when I was little, more than a, a little more than a boy, he says, I was on the Judean hills. One night, with some other shepherds keeping watch over the flock, the angel of the Lord came upon us, and the glory of the Lord shone around, around about us, and we were very afraid. But the angel said, Fear not, for, for to us is born this day in Jerusalem a Savior who is the Messiah, and you will find the baby lying in a manger. The old man Lips ceased to move, and there was silence. Then the lad turns and looks with wide, puzzled eyes into his grandfather's face and says, But granddaddy, is that all? What did you do when you heard the good news? Was that the angel, is what the angel said really true? Was the Christ child ever really born? And the old shepherd sadly shakes his white, white head and answers, I never knew. I never went to see. Some say it was all a myth. Others say they found in him the light of the world, the power of life. But for me, I could never be quite sure. I never did go to see. Fortunately, folks, that is not what really happened. It wouldn't be much of a story if that was what happened. But when the angels left the shepherds, I suspect they all looked at each other and with a dazed expression, and, and I can imagine one of them may have said, Did you guys see what I just saw? Maybe they discussed it a little, but then there was a decision to make. Look at verses 15 and 16. Let us go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. They, turned, they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the babe who, who was lying in a manger. You see, the shepherds acted on what they heard. They went to see the baby that they were told about. 
We might uh, think that we would uh, certainly respond, you know, if the angel, <laughs> if an angel came and, and, and spoke to us directly. But I wonder if that's so true. I think that what might have happened for many of us is that we, as soon as the angel left, we would have looked, looked around to see if anyone saw what we did or heard what we heard, you know. Uh, maybe many of, many would, uh, would have, have a debate, would debated the situation. Could we really afford to leave the sheep? What if the owner of the sheep found out? What if something happened to them while we were gone? What if we were mistaken about what we, uh, we thought we heard? Or, in other words, much time, much of the time we talk ourselves out of acting in faith, don't we? Or maybe we would have gone a different direction. Maybe we would have run into town, told everyone what, that the angels appeared to us. Maybe we would have written a book. Uh, perhaps it would have gone on the lecture circuit to give talks entitled, I've seen an angel. So let's talk about what's wrong with you. Or maybe we would have formed a new synagogue, one for the truly spiritual, which of course means the person who has had an experience like me. Yes, I'm being facetious. But I do want to make a point in this. We tend to miss the point. The Lord speaks to us, and he does so with the desire to get us moving in some particular direction. What often happens to us is that we know God is speaking, but we are afraid of what others will say. We know, but... We are afraid that of what God has told us might not work or that we might, you know, we might have been wrong. Or, you know, God speaks to us and we feel like he's, you know, he's trying to tell us something. But uh, but we get sidetracked. We get off of on some tangent and we miss the point. Oh, how many people go through the Christmas season Celebrating the celebration and not the Savior. How many of you are doing that? But, you know, God's speaking to us, but we don't like what He's telling us, right? We don't like it because it means change. Or it means doing something that is new or awkward. Or it means not doing something we like doing. But yet God speaks to us. And when he does, it's important that we take appropriate action. The message of Christmas calls us to action. For some, God calls, calls you to the most basic and essential action. And that is to give your life to him. He's not looking for your admiration. He's not calling for your approval. He wants your heart and he wants your life. He wants it so much that he came to earth to reach you. He, he went to the cross to set you free from sin and the wrongs of your past. He, he rose from the dead to show you that he is telling the truth and gives you a glimpse 
of what lies ahead for everyone who follows him. Are you one of those people? Are you one of those who have kept faith on the periphery of your life? Are you content to give God a nod every now and again in hope that you will be on good terms with Him? Christmas is for you. The message of salvation is offered to you free of charge. Will you come to Him or will you continue to run in a hundred other different directions? How does one come to Christ? He starts by being honest. You have to be honest about the way that you have lived in the past and honest about the fact that you cannot make it on your own. You must recognize Jesus is the only one who has the right to rule your life. And then you tell God that you want to follow him. And after making the decision to follow him, then you obey his command to be baptized into Christ and to begin a new start in your life with Jesus. Others of you have taken that first step. You're in Christ. For you, it may be that God is calling you to something different. Maybe he's calling you to turn away from something you know is wrong. Many People don't need to be told that they should stop, you know, uh, some of the things that they are doing. They know. They know. But they often resist. They often make excuses, rationalize why they are doing what they are doing is not really wrong, but they know. Really, most people know. They know because God has shown them. And now that he has shown you, The question is, what are you going to do about it? It may be that God is calling you to something different. Maybe he's calling you to mend a relationship. Maybe he's calling you to do something to help someone who is in need. Maybe he's calling you to stop living in the past. Maybe he is urging you to ask for help uh, from someone. Or maybe he calls you to, uh, to some bold action. To do something, to give something, to to begin something. Maybe he's calling you to go and tell someone about the one who came to die in our place. You know what I think? I'm going to tell you. I think you may already have a good idea of what God wants you to do. It is likely that God has made it clear through the whispers of his spirit. Even as we have looked at this passage this morning, perhaps he's speaking to you. Or maybe you hold back because you wonder, you know, if he can, if you can trust him. Or maybe, you know, you may not be able to uh, begin yourself to say out loud, but That may be the real issue. You already have a good idea. And that's why it's a perfect time to act. I urge you, listen to the Christmas story. Hear the message. And if God did indeed become a man to reach out to you and I, he he must love us more than we, we can begin to comprehend.
if God did, did all that to reach you and me, he can be trusted to guide us faithfully. So I urge you, do something bold this Christmas. Follow the example of the shepherds and dare to act on what God tells you to do. And then quickly from the third perspective, we see in verse 17 and 18, they celebrated with joy. When they had heard him, when they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. So the shepherds were available to hear the message. Then they responded appropriately to that message. And folks, when they did, they discovered a wonder that changed their lives. It was a wonder so great that they couldn't help telling everyone what they saw. These shy, backward, smelly shepherds were stopping strangers on the street to tell them about the baby that they saw in the manger. Maybe many or most of the people thought they were nuts, but they weren't. They were changed. Look at verse 20. The shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. Now, I hope you don't misunderstand me as to what I'm trying to say. I'm not trying to say that from that moment on the shepherds never had problems. I'm sure that they were still days the shepherds hated their jobs. They still had a battle of prejudice that was attached to them as being a shepherd. I No doubt they still had disagreements. They may have struggled in their marriage. Many of their outward circumstances perhaps didn't change at all. But what did change was their hearts. They found a joy that the world could not deliver and cannot deny. They found a wholeness they could not achieve through, through counseling. They found a peace that no bank account could produce. These men found a love that no person could ever give them. They found the Lord. And each of us here this morning can too. And so, will this be the day you turn to the Lord? Will this be the day that you do what God has called you to do? Not because it is easy. Not because it's what you want to do. But because you know He loves you. And because you trust Him. Why not make this Christmas a Christmas to remember? Not because of the gift you purchased or opened, but because this was the Christmas you went to Bethlehem and saw the king from the perspective of the shepherds. For many people, the celebration of Christmas will end in a few weeks and they will start putting away uh, the decorations and their focus will turn to uh, to the to the changing changing of the calendar and then to other matters. 
And so many will forget about Christmas until the madness begins next year. For some reason, I don't think the shepherds ever forgot. Their lives were changed forever by what they saw in Bethlehem. And I hope yours will be too. I hope you will look past the yearly date on the calendar and begin looking forward to knowing God better in your lives. Looking forward to a day when you will stand with others and celebrate the king in person. But I want to warn you, when you get there, don't be surprised if you notice the distinct smell of shepherds or of sheep. Let's pray. Holy Father, we thank you for this part of the Christmas message, the birth of Christ, and the shepherds' part and visit. Much to be learned. And Father, we pray that from this day forward we'll be more open to hearing what you want us to do. And then, Father, as you speak to us within our lives and our hearts, we'll, we'll take the action that you want us to take. And we know that, as the shepherds did, we will experience the joy that only comes through obedience to you and following you in our lives. Help us this Christmas time to commit ourselves to appropriate action in Christ. Through Jesus we pray.